0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? <laughs> On this beautiful day in Illinois. Uh, anybody hear me in the cars right now? or Can you honk if you can? Okay. There's five of you that can hear me. That's great. Well, we tried to turn the speakers up a little bit louder uh, just to give you just some volume. If you can, crack your window. If, you can, if your uh, radio's not catching the signal... Uh, If you're still with us online, thank you for bearing with us. Um, If you're not aware, if you're somewhere in another state, the weather here is not quite cooperating. It's not monsoon or anything, but uh, it just obviously uh, technical gear doesn't really enjoy this kind of environment. So we're working with what we have and doing our best uh, to get things worked out and resolved. So if you are here or if you can hear me, I'm glad and I I pray that uh, the message here today will be a blessing to you as uh, pastor tony shared we are going to enter into a a short series and we've entitled it be still and we're going to look at uh some some of the psalms in the book of psalms in the bible uh if many of you maybe if you've gone through struggles in life or difficult seasons uh if you're like me i know for myself uh, i found much comfort in the psalms uh there's i i go back to them often and it's just a place that we can really find a lot of encouragement, a lot of hope. Um, one of the great things about the Psalms is it's uh, very real and very raw. You you hear from people, you're from the writers. You see moments and situations in their lives where they're they're frustrated, uh, they're dealing with uncertainty. And they're just, they're really calling out to God for, for him to just do something uh, and to change, you know, their circumstances, but oftentimes it results in really him changing them and their hearts. And so uh, it's a great place, I think, for us in the season that we find ourselves in and uh, the world around us and our country and just things that are happening. And so I pray it'll be a blessing to you. So what, what is a psalm or what are the psalms and a brief definition here, it's, it's, it's 150 Hebrew poems, or songs and prayers, all right? And it's, it's considered part of what's called the wisdom literature in the Bible. It's Psalms, uh, along with Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And in it, there are many different authors as well that put pen to paper, and they cover, as, as I've kind of alluded to already, both lament and praise— And so we see, again, the the struggle when people are going through the time of, you know, wondering or having questions. We see that come through very well, but we also see times where they worship God, and and we see the other side of it, or even during that time, they see praise to God. So question of of why the Psalms, there's an article written by a pastor, Juan Sanchez, and he says, uh, in this article, he says there's four reasons to preach the Psalms to ourselves. The first one is that the Psalms... Remind us, true and lasting joy is found in obedience. Now, again, I know most of the kids have exited to their class, but I'm sure any of them that were here, or any of you out there, uh, when you think of obedience, typically it's kind of a, okay, I'll do it because I have to. Uh, most of our kids obey probably because they they don't want to get in trouble. But what we find is is when we follow Christ, obedience is really what brings joy to our lives. It's, it's the best And the reason that God puts things in place for us is not to be a a cruel dictator type God, but because he loves us and he knows what's best for us. And so you see this come through in the Psalms, that we really find our, our lasting joy through obedience. A second reason is that the Psalms remind us of the value the Lord places on human life. And this is a great reminder because, again, sometimes people want to paint this picture of God as like the ant bully, so to speak, with that magnifying glass and the sun and just having fun, you know, torturing and hurting people. But that is not the heart of God. The heart of God is, is he loves his creation. He loves man and woman that he created, and he loves us. And so we, that, that comes, again, through very loud and clear throughout Psalms. Number three, Psalms give us the language of lament. So there's, there's a way to go about it. There's a way to go through times of struggle and difficulty. One of the things that I think we, uh, we, we don't do a good job of is going through times, whether of sorrow or even of, of anger. God has given us emotion. But a lot of times I think, you know, in, in certain uh, circles of the church, we're supposed to sort of push that down and put on this face or this mask, right? We have to come to church with a smile on our face regardless of what we're feeling And we're just supposed to roll along and pretend. But here in Psalms, again, we see sort of how we're supposed to approach these times and how we're supposed to go through it properly. And finally, the fourth reason that he points out is that the Psalms teach us how to worship the Lord in difficult times. Now, I don't know. I don't think I have to look too far. I think most of you here today, whether I could see you in your vehicles or at home or even right here, probably would agree that we're in some pretty difficult times right now, wouldn't you? There's some uncertainty going on. There's some difficulty. And, and even on the horizon, we're kind of wondering, where's, where's this all going to go? How's it going to work out? And so, again, at the end of the day, regardless of what is going on around us, we have plenty to worship God for. Our God is faithful, and our God has not forgotten us. And though the pressures are mounting and, and we're feeling this, this kind of unsettling we can always lift our hands and praise God that for nothing else, that he will never leave us or forsake us. That is a promise that we can hold on to. And so, again, the Psalms bring us back to that. So today, I'm going to just uh, dial in on a, a one Psalm in particular. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a Psalm that probably at least one line of it will be familiar to you. And really, it's kind of where... Some of the thought for this series came from, and it's Psalm 46. So, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. If you have your phones, I invite you to pull them out if they're waterproof, Um, and you're welcome to pull it up there. If you're online, you know, God bless you. I know you're probably dry and comfortable, so you probably have many options. But anyway, Psalm 46, and I'm going to read from the ESV, and and it's not a super long. It's 11 verses. We're just going to read through the whole psalm to kind of start our time. And then uh, we'll go from there and kind of dive into some places. So Psalm 46, beginning in verse 1, says this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I could probably just stop right there. We could just have a whole sermon on that, but we're going to keep going. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, is our fortress. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for today, God. I thank you that it's raining. I thank you, Lord, that even in this environment that you are still God, that you are good, that you are holy, that you are perfect, and God, that all things are ordained by you. God, we thank you that uh, as we look at the world around us today, we can truly uh, find peace and hope in our hearts because our hope and certainty is found in you and you alone. Lord, we just look to you during this time of uncertainty, and we just thank you that, God, that you will speak to us through your word today. We thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we can turn there for encouragement, for building our foundation, Lord God, and for giving us stability. God, we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us through your word today. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, Psalm 46 here, as we've just read, is really just got some vivid imagery. It's very powerful. In fact, um, the great reformer Martin Luther uh, actually penned a song, a hymn, uh, from this, this Psalm 46. A gentleman named Robert Morgan, in his book titled Then Sings My Soul, it's 150 of the world's greatest hymns and hymn stories, he writes this of Martin Luther. He says, We think of Martin Luther as a great reformer, Bible translator, political leader, fiery preacher, and theologian. But he was also a musician, having been born in an area of Germany known for its music. There, in his little Thuringian village, young Martin grew up listening to his mother sing. He joined a boys' choir that sang at weddings and funerals. He became proficient with the flute, or we would call it a recorder, and his volcanic emotions often erupted in song. When the Protestant Reformation began, Luther determined to restore worship to the German church. He worked with skilled musicians to create new music for Christians, to be sung in the vernacular. He helped revive congregational singing and wrote a number of hymns. Often he borrowed popular secular melodies for his hymns, though occasionally a tune brought criticism and he was compelled to let the devil have it back again because it was too closely associated with bars and taverns. In the foreword of a book Luther once wrote, Next to the world of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It controls our thoughts, minds, hearts, and spirits. A person who does not regard music as a marvelous creation of God does not deserve to be called a human being. He should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of asses and the grunting of hogs. Luther's most famous hymn is, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's based on Psalm 46, and it reflects Luther's awareness of our intense struggle with Satan in difficulty and anger. Luther would often resort to this song, saying to his associate, Come, Philip, let us sing the 46th Psalm. Now, how many of you here are, are familiar with the, the Psalm 46 or with the mighty fortress is our God, right? Very powerful song, very uh, just uh, it's one of those things you turn to and you, you just go through the words and it just it's there's so much depth there and it's no surprise that it's pulled really from this psalm psalm 46 and so as we look at psalm 46 uh, many bibles have a heading and it says this it says to the choir master of the sons of korah according to alamoth a song so psalm 46 was addressed to who to the choir master. And that's something like a dedication, like you would read in a book today, You know, this is dedicated to my wife, so-and-so, or to my, my friend, or this person, or that person. So this psalm was written to this, to this choir master, and it says the psalm is of the sons of Korah. So this is a reference to the authors of the psalm, All right, the sons of Korah. They were descendants of Korah, who himself was a descendant of Levi. And so the sons of Korah were responsible for ministry in the tabernacle, and they were an important company of singers, which we see throughout 1 and 2 Chronicles. So it's coming from somebody within the temple here. It says, according to Alamoth. And so this word Alamoth really, it comes, it comes back to related to, I would say, like maidens or um, to be sung like by a, in a soprano or a, a song that, of a high note. And it is a song, as it says. It is a song. And so, again, this, this song here... It it's reminds us that this, the book of Psalms is both of prayers, but it's also of songs. And so you can pray the Psalms, but you can also sing the Psalms. And this Psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 46, was originally a song. So as we read through, I'm sure you maybe noticed, and if you've read Psalms at all, uh, there's a word that it, it happens or pops up many times throughout it, and that's the word selah. Selah. And it occurs 71 times throughout the book of Psalms. And it's an interesting term because rather than being translated, which means a lot of uh, scripture was taken from the original language it was written in and translated to a, a, an English word that's an equivalent. And that's, that's what translation is. But this word selah was transliterated, meaning it was brought from its original and tried to be matched up with sounds that, would be, uh, uh, that are found within our English language. And so we get this word selah. And it means... Uh, oftentimes people say it means to, to reflect or to pause, okay, to reflect or to pause. And so this is true, this is true in a sense, but if this is a song, it could also have a meaning of basically where there would be a pause in the song and there's some uncertainty there, but to pause or reflect is a good translation of it. And so as we look at Psalm 46, we're going to imagine, if you will, not imagine, but if, if you can picture in your mind the way it's kind of laid out with these words, Selah, appearing three times, it kind of breaks it into three sections, doesn't it? And so we're going to approach it today in that same kind of way as in three sections. And so the first section, really, verses one through three, it's, it's, it's dealing with the fact that our God is supreme over nature. As it says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in, tr- in trouble, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then this word, Selah, this term Selah comes. Now, the word translated refuge here in verse one, it means shelter. It means a rock of refuge. If you can picture that in your mind, you know, when something like much like today, and this rain is coming in and blowing. And many of you that are here, you're seeking shelter in your vehicles. Some of you are smart enough not to leave your shelter uh, but, or crazy enough, whatever you want to call it. But you're staying in the shelter. And so the way you know, that, that imagery co- holds true is that it carries through in this, this scripture is that it's affirming that God is our shelter to whom we flee to. Now, if you're fleeing to a shelter, where is your hope and where does your protection lie? It rests in that shelter, doesn't it? It rests in that rock, if you will, as, as it's explained here. And that's, that's where we flee to is, is the shelter, and we flee to God. Our hope is in the shelter, not in our strength, because if we're fleeing to a shelter or finding shelter, it's because we've run out of our what we're able to do, doesn't it? And so God strengthens us in our times of trouble and crisis as we find refuge in his shelter in him. In verses 2 and 3, again this imagery of mountains being moved into the heart of the sea and waters foaming it's it's very it's a, it's a violent it's it's something we don't see often. We see something that's really brings a lot of unrest. Uh, during as many of you know, my family and I spent a number of years in the Middle East and, and one of those years not too long ago, just a few years ago, they actually had an earthquake there. <clears throat> Has anybody here ever been through an earthquake or experienced an earthquake? It's it's one of the most the strangest things. Uh, you know, my my family and I we were actually driving home, so we didn't ex- really feel it much. But when we got back to our apartment building, everybody was outside, and everybody was terrified because even being inside in a structure and what would normally protect you from an outside element now be- could actually became dangerous. And so people ran outside because this this unsettling this shaking was so profound, and there's really nowhere you can go to escape it, is there? And so that's this, this picture where mountains, which would typically be very stable, you know, are seen put, be going into the sea. And so again, we're seeing that God is even still our refuge and strength, even during times like that. The second part of Psalm 46, verses 4 through 7, we see that our God is supreme over the nations. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. So here the psalmist is pointing to this city of Jerusalem. And there's even a foreshadowing of a new Jerusalem, the the promise of the new Jerusalem. And the psalmist is saying that believers in the Lord Jesus are citizens of the city of God, the holy habitation, the most high. And so in contrast from what we just read earlier with the mountains being moved into the sea, we see this change where God is in the midst of the people in the new Jerusalem, and therefore they will not be moved. He brings a stability and a protection to the people. It says, nations rage and kingdoms fall. And again, going back to this first part of Psalms, we saw this happening with the mountains, which are supposed to be stable, and the ocean that was you know, all in turmoil. And we see the same thing now happening amongst the nations and the kingdoms, the same kind of uh, allegory, and, and the waters roaring and mountains trembling. We see all of this kind of tying in together. But God simply makes a sound, and the earth melts, it says. And so that same God that has that same authority is, is present with us today. He is present with us today in, in what we're facing. In verses 8 through 11, now we see kind of the, the culmination of everything, that our God is supreme over all the earth. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease, cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. This third and final stanza of the psalm is a vision of things to come. God will judge the earth and everything will be silenced. This for, we can guarantee for sure. This, uh, these terms here, bows and spears and chariots, in this time of the Bible, this, these were all signs of power and, and man's strength. You know? And we see this in, in this uh, verse here that, that God basically shatters the spear. He breaks the bow, and we see these chariots on fire. That all of man's greatness is brought to a, just a flat playing field. It's, it's done. God silences it all. The first part of verse 10, and again, where we kind of got this series title, it often is used to urge Christians to be still and, and to have quiet time, right, with God. But this is not really quite the meaning here that, that's happening. And in the, I'll give you an example the military, well, as many of you know, I was in the military a number of years, and I remember we were, we were trained, there's a, a command that was given. So if, if you're in a large group of guys and and let's say uh, somebody walks in or they want to quiet the room, they would yell the term "at ease." Okay. Now, "at ease" to you and to most people it seems like that's ah, kind of sitting back in a chair and relaxing. For us, it, it meant you you took a posture very quickly and everybody stopped talking. And this was ingrained in us so much that even uh, we were on a trip once while I was in my advanced individual training in Virginia. And we went to a museum in Washington, D.C. And we had to wear our our uniforms, our Class B uniforms. And so we stood out like a sore thumb. We didn't blend in with anything. And so we were standing outside of this museum. And some guy who was also in the military but, you know, in regular clothes, just there on vacation with his family, he came out behind us out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, he yells at ease. And instinctually, I mean, we just all just kind of, like, snap into this position Without, and we just stopped talking because we're, like, terrified of what's going to come next because typically it was somebody that outranked you and, you know, had bad plans for you. Um, but this guy yelled at, and it was just amazing how quickly we just shifted gears and we stopped talking and, and came to that position of being at ease. And so with that, it's the same kind of thing here. This isn't a be still kind of, like, whisper type thing happening here. This is a, a command that's being given of... Be still. It's it's God is commanding to listen and to be quiet. Stop everything you're doing and know that I am God. Now, there's a, a scene in the New Testament, in uh, the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus is in a boat with the disciples. And if you recall, they are in the boat and Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat and a storm comes up, right? A storm comes up and... <clears throat> Things start going really south and sideways, and Jesus is just sleeping away, and the disciples are panicking, and so they grab Jesus, and they wake him up and say, Jesus, help us, you know, not realizing you're with Jesus, the Son of God, you know, God is with you. You really don't have to worry about anything, and so in, in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 38, it says, but he was in the stern sleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And this is the same kind of be still that we see here in the psalm. That we see God saying, be still and know that I am God. You see, in that that image of Jesus calming the waves, it speaks to our situation today, doesn't it? We can feel the pressure. We feel the turmoil coming in. And we're like, God, what are you going to do? God, help us. We're panicked. And all it takes is a word from God. And God sets everything at peace because he wants to remind us that we need to quiet ourselves and be still. Because why? We need to know and be reminded that he is God. He goes on to affirm here in the psalm that he alone is God, and God concludes with this powerful affirmation, I will be exalted among the nations and the earth. And those first two, remember those first two stanzas, that's really what we were dealing with, was that God was supreme over all the earth, over nature, and over the nations, and that's the God that we serve. I will be exalted among the nations and the earth. Now, verse 11, we see this repeated line here where it says the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Again, it's this reminder that the Lord of hosts is present and that he is our protection. If this God is for us, then who or what could possibly be against us? And although the process here we see is peace in the end, we see that the outcome is peace, but the process is judgment, don't we? God comes in, and he at the end of it all, and as he is today, he is God. So as we've said already, some of the mountains in our life, some of the stability in our lives have been shaken and moved, haven't they? But the question I want to ask us today is, where do we tend to turn when trouble comes? What is our first instinct? Where is the first place that we turn to when trouble comes our way? Now, if you answer honestly, you know, I don't know that it's always God. I think we get there eventually. I'm talking about myself as well. You know, I think where's, where do we first turn when trouble hits is it, where do we first turn to? That's, that's the question. For some of us, we find security in our finances, don't we? In our finances. We, we find hope there. And in Luke twelve sixteen through 21, Jesus deals with this. He shares this parable. and He says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Is there anything wrong with having money or savings? No. Is there anything wrong with planning for your future? No. The question is, is where does your hope lie? Where is your heart at? And when trouble comes, yes, it's great to have savings. But our hope always has to rest in God and God alone. Because these things will come to an end. These things run out. There's only so much that you can do. There's actors and actresses in Hollywood that, have literally millions and millions of dollars and yet their child falls ill and, and where, do, where does their financial status land and all that? There are things money cannot buy and money cannot uh, help with that we have to, at the end of the day, always make sure that our hope rests in God alone. Another place we may find security in is our, our talents or our skill or education or ability which these are good things and these are education is great to have and our skills are great, many of which are God-given. But again, our hope cannot rest in that alone. Our hope must come back to God and to our refuge and our strength and our source of strength. We can find comfort in our accomplishments at times, can't we? And again, we work hard at something. It's okay to say, you know what? Step back and wow. Wow. I'm really pleased with this. But do not let your heart land there. Do not let your hope rest there. Lastly, we can find security in our relationships or who we know, for example. In Kuwait, we called this wasta because there was rules, but if you knew the right person, you could get just about anything done. Here we use the phrase, I got a guy, right? I got a guy. We cannot... Put our hope in that alone. Our hope must always come back to God. The psalmist is saying that our God here is able to help us even if the very worst imaginable thing were to happen. Even if the mountains themselves, the most stable thing we can probably think of on this earth, collapsed. The psalmist's point, regardless of how bad it gets, our God is still supreme. And many of us here today, I believe, need to be reminded of that fact, that God is God over all, that God is supreme over all. We do not always know what God's plan is, or we cannot see maybe what he's doing in the midst of these struggles and turmoil, but we can trust that he is still on the throne and that he is still in control and that he loves us deeply and that he has not forgotten about you or about me but that he sees clearly every single step that we're taking, every single uncertainty, every tear, and he's there to comfort us. And if we turn to him and turn to his word, we'll still be able to find refuge and hope in our God. Amen. That final line that's repeated twice, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is present and he is our protector. And you could be sure that he will not fail us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time today. God, I thank you for this message and, Lord, this timely message of hope. God, I realize that many here today, including myself, are struggling, Lord God, to make sense of things around us. God, we, be, we can become overwhelmed, Lord, with all that's happening and what we see in the world today and in our country. God, it's just, it's so difficult at times and God, we really can come to a place where we're asking God, where are you in all of this? God, I thank you that uh, in this psalm here today that it's not a be still as, as you are just coming in quietly, but you are commanding all to stop and to be still. God, that you would just shake us and that's really our prayer, that you would just shake us to remember that you are God, to remember who you are The God that we serve, that you are mighty and that you are powerful and that you are overall. God, that there is nothing that is a surprise to you. God, that you have not forgotten us or our situation, Lord God. God, that you promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. And so, God, we trust that fact today. We put our hope in that today, Lord God. We do not put our hope in man, Lord, and the things that we can do in ourselves, but God, we put our hope in Christ Jesus today. Thank you for reminding us of that today. Lord, forgive us where we have tried to be God in our situation. And God, I pray that each person here today will have a renewed sense of who you are and that you are good and that you are holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.